Welcome to the Quest series. This is Alan Mulhern. There has been a change in plan. The podcast I anticipated giving on the spiritual crisis of our time will now take place at a later date, when the ground has been prepared more. This is both for yourselves and especially for me, since a great deal of material has arisen and I need more time to do justice to this immensely important topic, rather than force the pace and deliver something premature. Although the podcast series has an overall structure, there is a certain spontaneity with respect to the exact sequence and the visionaries being studied. On the matter of administration, I mentioned that I will shortly make it possible to give small donations to the podcast so as to cover costs. More details in the coming episodes. This podcast is an exploration of Beethoven's Symphony No. 3. Its first performance was given in 1804, at the estate of Prince Lobkowitz, who was Beethoven's generous patron of this time. There is a very interesting film dedicated to this. It is directed by Simon Jones as a BBC Opus Arte made-for-television film entitled Eroica and was released in 2003 with Ian Hart as Beethoven. The Orchestre Revolutionnaire et Romantique, conducted by Sir John Elliot Gardner, perform the Eroica Symphony in its entirety in the film, which is based in part on the recollections of Ferdinand Ries, Beethoven's secretary of the time. It is recommended that, prior and subsequent to this podcast, you listen at least a few times to a complete version of the symphony, enjoy it and ponder its meaning. This is most definitely not an intellectual exercise, but the music has to grip one emotionally one has to feel intensely identified with its struggle for meaning and freedom. Let it work in the spirit as it seeks renewal, rebirth, the archetype of transformation in the soul. There are naturally many who feel that music does not need interpretation. I sympathise, if one means intellectual or reductionist interpretation. However, appreciation of the emotional, spiritual and archetypal dimensions of music can deepen and amplify the listening experience enormously. Four views of the Third Symphony are given wide coverage. Firstly, that it represents the personal struggle of Beethoven with his despair, his deafness, and overcoming this through his musical genius. Secondly, as a tribute to Napoleon and Beethoven's hopes for political freedom that might have emerged from the French Revolution and its overthrowing of the Ancien Régime. The theme of struggle between oppression and freedom runs throughout much of his music, which has an intense political dimension, especially in his early years. A third interpretation, musical not thematic, is that Beethoven broke through the classical form of the symphony, offering revolutionary sounds and experiences. Fourthly, it represents the eruption onto the musical and world stage of the individual, and therefore the romantic period where the individual moves to the centre of consciousness. All of this is true. If you care to search, you will find abundant literature and interpretation on the above themes. However, here I offer something rarely explored, yet which I experience as the core of Beethoven's music. I suggest that a mythic, archetypal and transcendent dimension is offered by Beethoven. I will try to communicate this in this series of podcasts on the Eroica. Let us begin by supposing that, firstly, Beethoven was possessed by the myth of the hero at this stage of his life. 
This is widely accepted. Secondly, and less obvious, that music of this nature is about human consciousness itself, and that individuals, be they Beethoven or Napoleon, feel they are vehicles of the divine, a higher force of history, an embodiment of the spirit, nation or ideal. The individual becomes possessed by the struggle of consciousness to break free from confinement or oppression and therefore identifies with a figure or principle from the field of which the hero fighting against evil or oppressive forces is typical. In other words, the individual is identified with an archetype concerning the development of consciousness itself. In Beethoven's case, freedom and destiny to overcome suffering, depression, entrapment by creative action. This is a mighty struggle, and the hero is overtaken by death, yet mysteriously arises again. The corn god dies to be reborn in the new year. Christ dies, descends and rises again. The Egyptian sun god, after the glorious day, descends beneath the ocean's waters to undergo a night journey and struggle with the serpent of darkness, to be reborn the following morning with the rising sun. This is a myth about the death and renewal of human consciousness. Beethoven's symphony is a wonderful expression of this myth. Struggle, apparent victory, death, the transcendent, renewal. It is the power of Beethoven's intensely psychological, and therefore modern, emotional, musical and individual expression of this myth that penetrates through the mind, through the emotions of suffering and struggle, opening up a vast expanse of intuition of other dimensions and triggers the soul. I am grateful to BBC Radio 3, who in 2005 recorded the symphony, which was subsequently stored on the Internet Archive under the Creative Commons label. All excerpts in these podcasts are taken from this source. Let us look at the first movement. It begins with two hammer blows and a surging, confident opening theme, and then its development. Beethoven pauses as if seeking a pathway forward and then proceeds on a battle. There is some sense of winning and then a pause.
Here, as is typical with Beethoven, we have a struggle of opposites frequently repeated throughout this first movement. What do you feel are these hammer-type blows from the whole orchestra? Consider what emotional meaning this has for you, and then for the piece. Now when the music serious conflict follows... This symphony was dedicated to Napoleon, for Beethoven and many more, the great liberator. But when he heard that Napoleon had crowned himself emperor, then enraged, he tore the dedication to him from the first page of the manuscript. Nevertheless, the symphony is dedicated to, quote, the memory of a great man, unquote, although Napoleon was still alive. At this stage of Beethoven's life, the heroic applied to the political as well as the individual spheres. As I will argue, it also has deep meaning in the mythical and archetypal realms. It would be natural to imagine, therefore, in this opening movement, the battles of liberation. One can almost hear the soldiers marching, the cavalry charging, alarm bells ringing, drums of war beating, a struggle between opposing camps, retreats, fears, regroupings, then charging and clashing and fighting. Clearly, so much of it resembles a battle. Yet for those who know nothing of the Napoleonic Wars or the dramatic politics of that time, this musical scene is also of extraordinary inner significance, for it seems to represent some deep essence of our inner life. Could it be the case that the outward struggle of humanity in politics, wars and so forth is really representative of the inner struggle of human consciousness? After this opening drama, struggle, beatings, hammer blows or violence, the music retreats and returns to the central motifs, except they are broken up by a sense of urgency, as if this development is needing resolution, or as if it wishes to go somewhere with great purpose. It, the music, slows down and hesitates, as if looking for a way through, with terrific suspense and anticipation but then returns to the main theme as if it has been blocked. This theme arises to great intensity, again as if determined to find a way through, resolve the impasse, solve the riddle, be born, defeat an enemy. Alarms and bugles are called on the horns, as if of temporary retreat, and this effort is stalled. Beethoven next goes over the same pattern twice. Pause, gathering force, 
and then attack, attempting breakthrough and resolution. Now, over halfway through this first large-scale movement, actually the size of some Mozart and Haydn symphonies, in the following section you hear the music or the battle pause, a retreat, possible isolation, and regathering and then starting again. This is typical Beethoven, especially in the symphony, stopping the march of stupendous music and starting afresh. This time, achieving breakthrough and some resolution. Now he begins to rejoice in breaking through the impasse, coursing creatively through the themes, the beginning of triumph. Here, triumph and the hammer blows are repeated, but now they have changed positions and the hero is victorious. For any normal composer, that would be enough. But typical of Beethoven, he is looking for something else. He stops everything again 
and sounds a note of warning, danger, and repeats his basic theme. Again, this is typical of Beethoven. When all appears complete, he's not satisfied. He's looking continually for something deeper. He has something else to express. He, or the music, now rises on the main theme, repeats and leads to a beautiful and gentle climax. He then concludes the first movement in a triumphant, beautiful melody, his creativity affirmed after great struggle. The first movement demonstrates superb melodies, harmonies, rhythms and development expertise. There is mastery of the orchestra and wonderfully exciting themes. Its ability to operate at many levels makes it already a tremendous symphony. Have we encountered the transcendent in this first movement? I think not. This is the first stage of the hero's journey, struggle and victory. The hero myth has many variations in its death and resurrection themes. Mythologically, it involves the bringing of new consciousness to humanity. It therefore represents, in Beethoven's day, the revolts, insurrections and revolutions that were emerging in Europe and its colonies against the oppression and exploitation of the monarchical and aristocratic regimes and our attempts to create new societies. This was a long struggle in the 18th, 19th and 20th centuries, yet was to prove the ushering in of a new age with which the West 
became identified, democracies. However, Beethoven is tapping into an archetypal structure, and therefore this music is as relevant now as it was then. For we too, in the contemporary age, live in a civilization in crisis and transition, where radical change needs to be fought for. Individuals also seek their own renewal, which is partially an independent activity, something in the inner world. It's not exactly a programme, but an archetype, a template of immense possibility deep in the psyche. But for many, it also needs to be expressed in the outer world, in the collective, as the crises of the 21st century gather force. It becomes necessary, as in Beethoven's day, to take a position on the dramatic struggles of our time. We have looked at the first movement of this great symphony. Our next episode in the Beethoven Third series will be to examine the second movement, the Marcia Funebre, for many the most famous funeral march in musical history. Beethoven took an unusual route to explore the myth of the hero. Instead of the more common descent and ascent, or death and resurrection sequence, he reverses it. For if the first movement ends victoriously, then the second movement is the death of the hero. There is no way Beethoven could have known in 1804, with the French Empire at its height, what was to be the fate of Napoleon, who, like Icarus in the Greek myths, flew too high in his artificial wings and crashed to his death in the waters beneath. No one could have foretold Napoleon's invasion of Russia in 1812. The colossal loss in the French army to the bitter winter after the evacuation of Moscow by the Russians. The regrouping of Napoleon with fresh armies in France and his subsequent defeats. Death and imprisonment and exile in Santa Elena, one of the world's most remote islands in mid-Atlantic. He may as well have crashed, like Icarus, into that vast ocean for he remained six years on that tiny island, eventually dying there. But Beethoven, apart from the politics of his day, is now treading his own heroic path, for by the time of his third symphony, he had lost most of his hearing and had learnt that his deafness was irreversible. Yes, he, the greatest living composer, for some the greatest of all time, Napoleonic and revolutionary in his spirit an amazing pianist with a determination to forge his own destiny, was afflicted by the most devastating diagnosis. In the funeral march, he descends to his own potential loss of his immense creativity, his own death, both symbolically and very possibly literally, for he seriously contemplated suicide. And yet he emerges from this death with transcendent vision, and this will be the subject of the next podcast.